This is Holden Karnofsky doing an amateur read-through of my blog post, Has Life Gotten Better in the Post-Industrial Era? This post will introduce my basic approach to asking the question, has life gotten better, and apply it to the easiest to assess period, the industrial era of the last few hundred years. This is part of the Has Life Gotten Better series that I started previously. My conclusion for this period is quite in line with that of the book Enlightenment Now. Life has gotten better for humans, though not for animals, especially for countries that are now considered developed, including the U.S. and most of Europe. This post isn't necessary for reading the rest of the series, which will cover different time periods. Next section, the basic approach. First, as far as I'm aware, there's no official or academic review for how quality of life has evolved for the average person over the course of human history. To get a good guess at the answer to has life gotten better, it's necessary to assemble evidence and arguments oneself, especially when talking about earlier time periods. There are a number of books about how quality of life has evolved over the last couple hundred years, just not so much before. My attempt to answer this question has generally focused on systematically collected data. This means, essentially, that someone applied one consistent set of rules to scoring different periods of time on some metric. I often draw on the website Our World in Data, which seems to aspire to collect and present as much of this sort of data as possible and tends to be very clear and detailed about where its data is coming from. When asking, has life gotten better, there is lots of evidence you could consider that does not fit this description. You could pore over depictions of different eras written by historians. You could review journals and diaries. You could reason about what life probably was like based on intuitions about how TV and the internet make you feel today. My problem with this kind of analysis is that, first, it leaves a huge amount of room for interpretation. I expect it to be heavily colored by the pre-existing worldview and emotional orientation of the person doing it, something that is unavoidable to an extent, but seems especially rough for this kind of analysis. Second, I think the amount of variety and richness in past people's lives is beyond our ability to really understand and imagine it. And so I'm worried about romanticizing or demonizing past eras based on thin clues here and there. Third, I think in order to really feel confident that we are interpreting the clues we have reasonably and building a picture of the past anywhere near rich enough to compare with our picture of the present, one would need to spend years, maybe lifetimes, just to get a good picture of some 20 or so year period in some particular geography. Focusing on systematic data leaves out a lot. In fact, for most eras, it leaves out some of the most fundamentally important questions, like how happy were people and how was mental health? But I can gather and look at all of the data that's relevant and available, and readers can check my work, and we can know that we're all looking at the same non-cherry-picked sample of evidence and trying to make an uncertain best guess based on what we know, which is of course subject to change if more information comes in. And to date, I haven't seen any other analysis that seems to give a strong case against the basic conclusion I've arrived at this way. Next section. What does it mean for human life to get better or worse? I didn't try to reduce quality of life to happiness or something like that, for a number of reasons, primarily that a, this would have required taking controversial philosophical stands, which I elaborate on in a footnote, uh, definitely not agreed to that well-being or quality of life equals happiness. And next, data on happiness is generally very limited, especially when looking over longer periods of time, and I wanted to be able to draw on as much data as possible. Instead, I made a list of a number of things that seem relevant for quality of life and are at least potentially measurable by systematic data, at least to some degree. Here's my list, which I made by brainstorming while reviewing a few sources for inspiration, 
including things like Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs and some previous work I did on utopian literature. First, questions about quality of life that are particularly amenable to measurement. Poverty. How common is extreme poverty? That is, near or below subsistence standards of living. In practice, I often find hunger and health the best way to get at this when data is sparse. Next indicator is hunger. How common is hunger slash undernourishment? Then health. How good is physical and medical health? That is, how common are debilitating diseases and how long is life expectancy? And then violence. How common is violence, particularly death from violence, which tend to be particularly measurable and amenable to rich data sets? Then there's questions that are somewhat amenable to measurement. Mental health. How good is mental health? How common are various mental illnesses and disabilities? Substance abuse and addiction. How common are these issues? Discrimination. How severe are formal and informal racism, sexism, and other forms of unjust discrimination? Treatment of children. How common is child abuse, both severe and moderate, where the latter might refer to heavy child labor and general disregard for children's welfare? Time usage. How much time do people spend doing particularly unpleasant things versus things they enjoy? Self-assessed well-being. How good is people's happiness as they report it? Education and literacy. How educated and or literate is the population? Friendship and community. Do people have friendship and community or are they lonely? And then there's questions that seem very difficult to get systematic data on as of today. Freedom. How common is slavery? And more broadly, to what extent do people have self-determination? Relationship quality. How good are people's relationships with their spouses, children, family, and friends? Job satisfaction. How much do people enjoy their jobs and find them meaningful? Meaning and fulfillment. To what extent do people feel their lives are meaningful overall? To what extent do they feel fulfilled, or to the extent this is distinct, to what extent are they fulfilled? Next section. Assessing the last couple hundred years. I went through all the charts on the website Our World and Data, flagging the ones that seem most useful for getting a handle on how the above things have changed over time, ideally long periods of time. I also included some comparisons between richer and poorer countries, and would generally assume the world has become more like richer countries over time. My list of relevant charts with start dates is here, and I link to it. After doing this, I went through the book Enlightenment Now for things I may have missed. This resulted in adding two more charts from Our World and Data, and a couple of other notes to the summary table. And now I'm going to go through the summary table of whether life has gotten better on a bunch of dimensions that I listed over the last couple hundred years, which is the post-industrial era. And we'll have to wait for future posts for earlier because there's less data. Okay, so on poverty, I think we've seen impressive, consistent improvement. And it seems robustly down worldwide since 1820. I recommend the full page at Our World in Data that examines this from many angles. Then we have hunger, impressive, consistent improvement. And some support for that is in the table with links. Human height is up worldwide since 1896 and flat before then, before 1800. That's a proxy for nutrition. There's a good page on that also at Our World in Data. Calorie supply is up since 1800. Famine deaths are down since 1860. Undernourishment defined by calorie consumption is down since 1970. Then we have physical health, impressive consistent improvement. Now, child mortality is down worldwide since 1800 and lower in richer countries. Maternal mortality is down since 1870 and lower in richer countries. Life expectancy is up worldwide since 1870 and higher in richer countries. Cancer trends are mixed since 1930 in the U.S., Alcohol consumption is down since 1890. Obesity is up since 1975. I'm generally listing everything, not just things that support my bottom line. So obesity would be an exception to the overall picture of impressive, consistent improvement on physical health. 
Then we have violence, which I say there's improvement with caveats, uh, which I'll have in a later post. So Western Europe homicide rates are down since 1300. The frequency of great power war is down since the 1700s, flat for about 200 years before that. Deaths from UK military conflicts seem down since 1450. Measures of military expenditure and personnel seem roughly flat with spikes since 1700 in the UK and the early 1800s elsewhere. Then we have mental health, where there's limited data. What we have suggests that it's mostly flat. The suicide rates are mostly unchanged, although not steady, since 1950. So they go up and down a bit, but they're mostly unchanged. Also steady since around 1860 or so, according to figure 18.3 in the book Enlightenment Now. There's no clear trends, although it's a bit hard to tell since 1990, which usually I'm giving the year as far back as the data goes. In schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, anxiety disorders, depression, eating disorders, or sorry, eating disorders are the exception. They seem to have risen somewhat. Then we have substance abuse and addiction, which seem to be up since 1990, no data before then. Deaths from substance use disorders are up. Premature deaths from illicit drug use are up. U.S. drug overdose death rates are up. Those are all since 1990 or 1999. Then we have discrimination, which I would say there's been improvement. So female-to-male schooling ratios are up since 1870. Female labor force participation is up since 1890. The gender equality index is up since 1950. The gender pay gap is down since 1970, although it's higher in richer countries. The number of countries where homosexuality is legal is up since 1791. And then there's not systematic data on our world and data on the prevalence of slavery and racially discriminatory law or colonial rule, but it seems clear that these would show improvement since at least the mid-1800s as well. Then we have treatment of children. Spotty data implies improvement. UK child labor is down since 1860. Child employment is lower in richer countries. US bullying is down since 1993. Then we have time usage. Spotty data implies improvement. So annual working hours are down since 1870, lower in richer countries. Then we have self-assessed well-being. Spotty data implies improvement. So European life satisfaction is up since 1973, and life satisfaction is higher in richer countries. Then we have education and literacy, impressive, consistent improvement. The worldwide share of the population with basic education is up worldwide since 1820. Primary school enrollment is up since 1820. Literacy is up worldwide since 1800. Basic numeracy is up since 1500. Then we have friendship and community. Spotty data mildly suggests improvement or at least not worsening. So richer country populations report having more people they can count on. USA high school loneliness is down since 1977. One-person households are more common since 1500. I included this because it could be interpreted as a negative, although that's not my guess. And then there's also a nice quote on this from Enlightenment Now in a footnote. Then we have freedom. Spotty data suggests improvement. There's more democracies, fewer autocracies since 1900. Human rights scores are up since 1946. Then we have romantic relationship quality. I would say it's just a big unknown, although I note that marriage rates are down since 1920 in the U.S. and 1960 elsewhere. Divorce rates are variable and mostly up since 1970, although falling in the U.S. since 1980. Then we have job satisfaction, unknown. I haven't found good data series on this. Then we have meaning and fulfillment, unknown. I haven't found good data series on this, as distinct from life satisfaction, which I listed above. And throughout that table, I often only have data for a limited number of countries, but I'm generally trying to report the picture that's there from the countries there are, and, and there's more detail in the table online. So just to run through that, you know, without all the details, It's basically improvement on every dimension I listed, except for some unknowns, mental health, romantic relationship quality, job satisfaction, meaning and fulfillment. And then the one clear negative is the substance abuse since 1990 or so. 
And then personally, now I'm, now I'm done with the table, so I'm just saying, personally, I would guess that the last three rows, particularly romantic relationship quality and job satisfaction, would also show improvement, at least in richer countries, if we had good data on them. This is mostly based on the fact that I think the ability to search out a good fit has dramatically improved from a pretty low starting point of very little choice for job searches, dating, and even in some sense, meaning and fulfillment, in that it's gotten easier to choose between different candidate life missions, religions, political goals, or just communities or topics that feel fulfilling and find others who share them. It's also somewhat based on informal impressions, which I definitely admit are unreliable, from books and TV shows. For example, people seem to treat their romantic partners as more of a burden in older TV shows. And uh, I am aware of the paradox of choice, the theory that having more choice can make matters worse. But my default is that this is usually outweighed by the benefits of choice, especially when one is starting off from a pretty low level of being able to consider and choose between multiple options. I do expect others have different impressions, so I know that's not systematic data, but I'm uh, sharing it because I, I think it's telling that nearly everything we can measure seems to have improved and when not stayed flat over the last couple hundred years. So with all this in mind, I tend to default to interpreting most statements where people say things like, well, alienation, depression, and loss of meaning are modern world-specific phenomena. I tend to interpret those as more or less just grass is greener thinking. I think any given past era probably had lots of people struggling with a lack of meaning, fulfillment, purpose, and or good relationships, even if their community was pressuring them to go along with some official consensus that X or Y is meaningful and fulfilling. And I finally note the flatness of suicide rates over time seems indicative here. So that was a bit of an aside on some of these less measurable things, just showing that, or at least making the point that there are some intuitions for why things might have gotten better. There also are many people who think they've gotten worse, and we really don't have the data to say. Final section, for animals, it's not the same story. Unfortunately, the chart for average animal quality of life probably looks very different from the human one. For example, the rise of factory farming in the 20th and 21st centuries is a massive negative development. I consider this a major complicating point for the narrative about life getting better over this post-industrial last couple hundred years period of time. 